Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have a special episode for you this week. We have got a very uh, writer-forward installment of Kernels of Truth. We've got returning co-host Nate sharing a couple of big stories uh, of Kentucky writers getting some well-deserved kudos. Uh, As always, we'll bring you some state and federal Kentucky political news with Kimberly throwing a couple of breaking items our way and news under five. Then we've got our campaign corner focused on the uh, Kentucky's 93rd House District. Uh, that, that race, we've got uh, Lamine Swan, uh, who is running, uh, he's the Democrat running for that district uh, in Lexington. Uh, then we're going to bring on Kentucky writer Terry C- Carter, who has been tackling some really hot button issues with her unique Kentucky voice. She's also going to share uh, with us what it was like running for elected office as a progressive on the GOP ballot. Uh, we'll then close with our call to action segment. Well, that is a lot. As always, we're going to try our best to bring it all to you in about an hour. We know you're busy folks. Your time is precious. But first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Folks, we're a poor state uh, with poor health outcomes, yet we elected GOP supermajority to do everything possible to cut government services and tribute to lowering the tax burden on rich folks. Uh, Instead of lowering the cost of insulin or supporting more social workers or raising our pathetically low minimum wage, We've got a gang in Frankfurt bound and determined to ending access to abortion care and ending any efforts to increase gun safety in Kentucky. If you think that's completely backwards like we do, we need your voice and your vote. Uh, If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. Uh, It's easy. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, kind of wherever you're spending time on social media. Make sure to like, share, and comment on our content. Help juice those algorithms. If you like what you're hearing on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up right now. Just give us a thumbs up if you like it. Leave us a review uh, if you're listening as a podcast. Share out the show. Uh, so uh, that's what you can do to help us turn Kentucky purple. So let's do our uh, our quick host introductions. we got a few great folks uh, helping us out this evening, bringing you the show. Uh, of course, we're not just some talking heads on the interwebs. We are a digital demonstration for a more compassionate commonwealth. So if you're going to a demonstration, you should bring a sign. Uh, what are you protesting today? Who are you? Where are you? And what does your protest sign say today? Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg uh, in Lexington. My protest sign says uh, a quote from Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep going. Uh, that's in tribute to uh, the, the folks over in uh, the UK getting rid of Boris Johnson, uh, but also because the news we got going today, lots of bad news. So we should just keep on going. All right. Uh, we'll check in next with Kimberly. Kimberly, are you there? Kimberly, are you there? And are you unmuted? Nope, you're muted. I'm so sorry. Um, it's it's so sunny and bright right now in Louisville, Kentucky. I feel like I'm at the beach and I got my sunglasses on because the sun is shining so bright and I've got honeysuckle and uh, it just makes me feel like the beach. But uh, my protest sign says today that the things we do on earth is the rent that we pay for our place in heaven. And I will say, quote, unquote, from my cousin, Muhammad Ali. Ooh, all right. Uh, nice, getting that beloved kingdom going. Cool. Uh, next up is Nate. What do you got for us? Hey, folks, it's Nate Orshan, uh, broadcasting from Kit and Mai's home here in lovely South Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, it's the full moon tonight. So my sign would say, may the full moon find you and leave all fear behind you. Ooh, man, you guys are getting philosophical uh, today. I love it. And you there in the chat, you can put what your sign says. I think we've got somebody who's shared one. Uh, if you're watching, maybe Annabelle's there because she's saying hey to her besties. That's us, I think. Uh, and you should tell us what your sign says, Annabelle, and we can share it on the screen because we have that technology now. How cool is that? All right, so let's jump into the news of the week. Uh, we got a couple big stories we want to bring you. Nate has got a special kind of segment, thematic segment. Nate, what have you got? <laughs> it's nothing but writers here in the bluegrass. Writers. So those of us who value human rights above all have been sailing through some rough waters for a long, long time. <clears throat> 
So when a couple of Kentucky writers who are on the side of progressive values receive nationwide honors, as we learned this week, it is a good time for all of us to douse those sails, lean against the railing, and spend a moment basking in their beautiful skies. So the first one getting honored is the singular Silas House. Silas is in the house. He's a Berea College professor, author of multiple books, including Southernmost and the upcoming Lark Ascending, and a champion for human rights. Mr. House is also one of two people who just won Lambda Literary's Duggins Prize for Outstanding Mid-Career Novelist, apparently the biggest award for LGBTQ plus authors in the country. As written in the Lambda Literary Press release by May Tron, the Duggins Prize, quote, honors LGBTQ-identified authors who have published multiple novels, built a strong reputation and following, and show promise to continue publishing high-quality work for years to come. Uh, Silas House is a native Kentuckian who's also fairly relentless in his activism, having helped bring uh, attention to the environmentally horrific practice of mountaintop removal mining, as well as having written about bullying and about fairness and equal rights for LGBTQ people. He is, my friends, a force of goodness and compassion. And the bluegrass is lucky, lucky to have him call it home. And if you want to see the interview with, that we did with this amazing writer and human being last year, search our Facebook Live page for Silas House. Ding! The second one we learned about this week who's getting honored is Lexington poet Ada Limon. And this one is a huge honor. Ms. Limon just became Poet Laureate of the United States. And if you are wondering when the last time a Kentuckian was the National Poet Laureate, that's nearly four decades ago when Robert Penn Warren served in 1986. So what does the official poet of the USA do? It's basically a very loose marketing gig for poetry. Uh, per the Library of Congress, which is the institution that selects our poet laureate, the person is supposed to seek, quote, to raise the national consciousness to a greater appreciation of the reading and writing of poetry. And given that Ms. Limon already hosts a podcast called The Slowdown, where she promotes poetry, she has got a 21st century jump on her national responsibilities. Uh, now, Ada Limon is a native Californian and newish Kentuckian, having moved to the bluegrass over a decade ago. And when she's not busy writing and rewriting and editing and inhabiting poetry, she is also a professor at Queens University of Charlotte's low residency MFA program. As she told the Herald Leader recently, quote, I feel very lucky that Kentucky will be my home base for this because the literary legacy of the United States is not just bi-coastal. The United States has a rich history of literary accomplishment throughout each state, and I'm proud to represent Kentucky in that way. So to my knowledge, Ms. Limon may not be overtly political in her poetry, but it's also hard for me to imagine a serious poetry who wouldn't say that they value human rights. I mean, you can't say humanities without the word human, right? I know she recently told Ezra Klein, which a great interview, by the way, highly recommended. She told Ezra Klein that poetry is meant to be read out loud. So I hope you all will indulge me. And let me close out with a poem that she published in the Atlantic earlier this year. I think it's very Kentucky and it's called The Unspoken. If I'm honest, a foal pulled chest level close in the spring heat, his every which way coat reverberating in the wind feels akin to what I imagine atonement might feel like or total absolution. But what if by some fluke of the heart, an inevitable wreckage congenital and unanswerable still comes no matter how attached or how gentle every hand that reached out for him in that vibrant green field where they found him looking like he was sleeping the mare nudging him until she no longer nudged him. Am I wrong to say that I did not say I did not want to love horses after that? I even said as much driving back to the farm. Even now, when invited to visit a new foal or to rub the long neck of a mare who wants only peppermints or to be left alone, I feel myself resisting. At any moment, something terrible could happen. It's not gone, that coldness in me. Our mare is pregnant right now, 
and you didn't even tell me until someone mentioned it offhandedly. One day I will be stronger. I feel it coming. I'll step into that green field, stoic, hardened, hoof first. Thanks. Wow. Thank you, Nate. That was awesome. So really some just amazing uh, Kentucky riders getting their due. That's really cool. Very glad to to see Silas getting that honor uh, and very uh, wonderful to, to, you know, hear some uh, fantastic poetry from the new Poet Laureate. That's so cool. Uh, thanks, Nate, for bringing us that story. Uh, all right. So now we're going to go back to the drudge of, you know, politics. <laughs> so we can't stray too far from uh, from our uh, core mission here, folks. So I don't know if folks are paying attention, but uh, Mitch McConnell kind of always in the news. Uh, he has been threatening to derail U.S. China competitive uh, U.S. China competitiveness bill in order to keep prescription drug prices as high as humanly possible. So uh, the build back better bill might be showing signs of life. Uh, a whole huge chunk of the Biden agenda was wrapped up in an enormous tax reform and climate change bill. It was killed pretty much single-handedly by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, I guess aided and abetted by Kristen Cinema. But there have been signs of life recently. The Senate Dems have negotiated a prescription drug price reform package to allow the federal government to negotiate lower prescription drug prices. This is wildly popular legislation. Uh, that has been sent to the Senate parliamentarian to ensure they can pass it through the reconciliation process, which is a budgetary kind of sleight of hand, which allows the Democrats to pass bills without the threat of a filibuster. Really the only way currently they can take away Mitch's power to stop them with his minority veto. Of course, if that package passes, it'll remove Mitch's primary election talking point that the Dems haven't done anything to help folks and that Biden has been ineffectual. So he's threatening to wield his filibuster to block other popular and important policies, specifically a bill to allow the U.S. to increase our competitiveness with China on issues of trade, microprocessor manufacturing, which is, of course, a huge piece of the current high-tech supply chain snarls. So there's Mitch right in the middle of trying to kill two popular and important pieces of legislation uh, because he because he can, because he has that power. And Joe Manchin and Krista Sinema are aligned in their willingness to allow him to use that power, uh, which I feel, feel is a very, very sad state of affairs. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Alyssa Slotkin, who's a representative from uh, Michigan with some national kind of uh, security uh, gravitas, uh, she was quoted in a Politico story about this saying, no one feels like they have a fire under their ass uh, and get it done. Uh, but I would love for some of those leaders to come to my district and sit at that round table and have that conversation with people and explain why election year politics is getting in the way of having some control over our economic security. So that's Alyssa Slotkin. That's what she would uh, love to see Mitch McConnell do, is sit down at a round, round table uh, with actual constituents, which is a joke, of course. She must be joking. Mitch McConnell does not spend time with real people. You know, if you're not a lobbyist or uh, some sort of political uh, politico or somebody who's making big, huge uh, campaign contributions to Republicans, uh, Mitch is not going to give the time of day. So that's good. Uh, nice try, Alyssa Slotkin. But uh, Mitch is not going to be hearing from your constituents anytime soon because he certainly doesn't want to hear from his own. Uh, but yeah, that's what, what we've got going on. Um, anyone have any thoughts about Mitch and his shenanigans uh, that they'd like to to share with the audience? Uh, this this is Nate, uh, and I'll just uh, you know channel <laughs> the spirit of my spouse Kit, uh, who uh, often used to say on this very show that Mitch McConnell never lets us down in letting us down, and this is just yet another instance, you know, just added to the long, long list. Oh, look at that list! <laughs> so long, long. List. So, so long. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Kit nailed it for sure. What you got, Kimberly? <laughs> Just seems like the same old, same old to me uh, when it comes to Mitch McConnell. But we'll be talking more about him in the news under five. So Ooh, let's do it. it right there. All right. Let's well, get into it. Okay. First things first. Uh, how about <laughs> on Mitch McConnell? And I'm so sorry, everybody. Like these lights is so bright here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's almost eerie. Um. 
Mitch McConnell is stating because of the labor shortage and, you know, all employers are talking about it's not enough people uh, to work these jobs. And Mitch McConnell is honestly saying it's going to ease when people run out of their savings. Like he said Tuesday, he said that people will begin to work once they run out of savings. And you, he said that you've got a whole lot of people sitting on the sidelines because they're flushed for the moment with cash. And we've got to hope once they run out of money, they'll start working again. How about this right here? A lot of people during the pandemic were unable to work and still unable to work because everything is not running at 100% pre-pandemic as far as childcare, uh, hybrid or remote work, things of this nature that a lot of parents need for their children. So that's happening as well. A lot of Americans are living on one paycheck instead of the customary two. And little did everybody know that the Republicans, they opposed the $1 trillion bill to give Americans more money to help during these perilous times. And, you know, Mitch McConnell has been against it all along. But I would like to see the charitable giving that Mitch McConnell gives because I bet it's damn near blank. Uh, why is he so worried about if people have savings or not? He needs to be more worried about getting inflation under control, forging a relationship with the Biden administration, and moving on from there. Uh, once again, it seems like Mitch is on to something, but he really is not. So let's go head on to about Mitch and the red flag laws. Uh, I did a little bit of research on this, you guys, and the red flag laws uh, are designed to allow authorities to intervene uh, and temporarily seize firearms from someone deemed dangerous before they actually do something. So Mitch, you know, uh, Got to give credit where credit is due, how small it may be, but he did, and he's noticed right here in Kentucky as a very moderate senator, but he rallied around uh, the Democrats, and uh, there is a $750, did I say $750? No, $750 million budget to help with these red laws, and um Actually, you know, uh, it's also to say here that it is to implement the extreme risk protection order. That's the uh, what you want to call the clinical name for it. And then otherwise, getting on to the good stuff, and I mean the good, good stuff, uh, our wonderful, wonderful uh, governor, Andy Bashir has put together his advisory board. I don't know why he didn't call me up and say, hey, Kim, you want to be on this board? about marijuana. It is a discussion that needs to be had. Uh, we are one of only 13 states in the union that do not have legalized marijuana. So there is going to be a meeting tomorrow, if you all are interested, at about 6.30 p.m., and it's going to be at Northern Kentucky University. You can go on uh our Kentucky State website and get more dates because it will be in several other places all around our state. And just for a side note, I hope I'm under five, but if not, just as a side note, I would also like to tell you guys that a poll came out and this is how important it is for voting. We had a marginal turnout for the primaries of 19%. We know that most people don't actually participate in the midterms, but this is a midterm for the life of Kentucky. And the reason being is that Jefferson County is a, is a stronghold here, okay? We lose Jefferson County and we lose Fayette. We have lost the state. We're very, very vulnerable right now. And also there was a poll that came out, and this is this is about the Biden administration. And the poll, and it was the Mars poll and also NBC, they did a poll of just Democrats. And how uncanny is this? I did receive this poll in my email and I did answer the questions. 
Do you know right now we need help in our party? We need help for the goals that we have for the constituency. Only 26% in America of Democrats approve of Joseph Biden running again for president. And over 56% of Democrats have an unfavorable view of our president, Joseph Biden. So I send it back to you, Aaron. Thank you. Well, you what? What? <laughs> what? You send me that? I don't. I don't want that. I a a <laughs> that was definitely more than five minutes. I did not set the timer because that's Doug's job, and Doug's not here. Uh, so uh, that's his. Job. I don't know why you are. I mean, I came. I had good news. I ended up with good news. What was the, the good uh, news you know, again? Weed board. I feel like they- I just okay. called it the weed board, and I think Andy Bashir should have. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna call him up tonight, and I'm gonna say, you know, Andy, we go way back. I don't even understand why you did not ask me to be on the marijuana advisory board. It's just medical marijuana, and he knows it doesn't you're matter. Do all of them smoke a it? bit more than that? Uh, also, Delta Eight does not fit in the category. So, you're, what are you gonna talk about, Kimberly? I think, I think. I think you should be there. I think you should go to the meeting. I know that one's uh, Thursday in Northern Kentucky. Then there's one next Tuesday uh, in Frankfurt. Uh, but yeah, I think it's awesome that he's doing this for sure. I think yeah. it's really important that he's having this, you know, stymied by the legislature, which of course they stymie anything. Well, you useful. know, they smoking it at home. They just don't want everybody Who to they? know. And Who they name like one of those me, Republican lawmakers that smokes weed. If you're not smoking marijuana, I don't know. What's is Jason Neems is Neems the one who's been like the the champion for medical marijuana? He probably smokes it. He's got well, some. Guess wolf, what? Wolf guess what? Can I say this, please? I don't know. Thank you. August the fifteenth, you guys. I am having extensive surgery. This is not a run of the mill uh, knee replacement. This is a very serious type of a surgery, and um, I personally cannot take pain medication. So I was talking to a pharmacist last night and she said, it's a pitiful shame because her sister who lives in Colorado, when she had surgery, she has some aversion to opioids, things like that. I can't take them even with anti-nausea pills. America marijuana will help you get through. So you guys just be thinking about me. I'm having the surgery in Kentucky where medical marijuana is not legal and I will be in tremendous pain. If you'd like to email me or serenade me or send me some food. Send send you some gummies, uh, maybe. Uh, Yeah, You're like from Illinois, like way back, right? So I know you go to Illinois and I was just in Chicago and I smelled a lot of what I could tell was legal weed. Uh, Definitely, it was around and about. So maybe you just need to pop on over to Illinois and take care of yourself. So I will say this. Um, on the- I'm going to put my cash app on there. I like we the are, chocolate um... bars. They taste really good. Oh, dear. This is not a GoFund Kimberly's <laughs> weed show. That's not what we do here. Uh, How do you I lose your that... 501c3 status? Oh, it's a really funny story, actually. <laughs> what I did want to get at is, so you've, hinted at this now for a couple of weeks. So I feel like you either want to talk about it or you just want to like put the seat out there that Biden should not run again. Uh, and I, you know, I get that he's not wildly popular. I don't know that any president in the history of president could be where he is right now and be popular. Right. Uh, you know, we've got these global forces that are swirling and making life harder for everyone. Right. So the pandemic, global impacts, global supply chains, the, you know, then com- commensurate impact on inflation, which again, globally happening. It's not like Biden's inviting it. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine and screwed up the you know, petroleum markets and, you know, jacked up the price of gas. Biden but the didn't regular in- person, invade Ukraine. The regular person, and we, we only got this one minute, but the regular person that goes to work every day, picks up their kids from daycare and goes to church, maybe on Sunday, maybe they don't. Maybe they like to look at Lifetime all day on Sunday. They're not looking at CNN. They're not looking at MSNBC. They don't, uh, they're not as politically savvy as some of us may be. All they know is, what was that word that was always the phrase? It's the economy, stupid. 
right? It's all about the money. And right now we're running very, very close to the inflation of the Jimmy Carter era. And we know what happened to him and he didn't cause all of that. So, right. um, well, so I just think that there needs to be a wait, full man, I got some news. I got some news. I got some news. I, I know. I got to end it on a good note. Okay. Hey, my sources in DC oh, are telling me Can that phone calls right now? are being made to Andy Bashir. He's in the running for 2024. Let's get him back the governorship. And if he wants to be president, I will have my knees together. I can canvas 200 doors a day like I did when he was running for governor. 200 doors a day. That is amazing work. Speaking of 200 doors. I just lied. I'd be like, I only did like one. Good segue. Good segue. Thank you. I was trying to. I just want to get this past. I, there's just so much I you don't know, want to talk don't about. Get in any that, respect. that whole package. You all mansplain me. Did I say that word right? I that's Yes, I am a man. Uh, and I disagree with your view of some things. But that's I am a you know. man. I am not an animal. Where'd that come from? <laughs> the elephant man. I want to talk to Terry. Yeah, right on. I um, need to talk to Terry Carter. Okay, well, we, we need to Terry? first, first, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Lam and Swan. <laughs> we're going to do a campaign corner. We're a minute or two Lamine. late. Lamine. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I... I apologize, Lamine. So uh, Lamine Swan uh, is coming to us because it's campaign corner. We've got a goal. We've got a lot of elections happening uh, on November 8th, uh, as Kimberly was just uh, referring to. We are committed to bringing as many possible candidates between now and then. Uh, a lot of elections. Uh, all the House uh, districts are up for re-election. Uh, and we've got, of course, all the, you know, Kentucky congressional offices are up uh, and lots of the Senate seats. So we've, we've got a lot to do. Uh, local elections, we might do a couple of those as well. But for today's installment of Campaign Corner, our quick hit chats with folks working to make Kentucky better. We're speaking with the Democratic nominee for the 93rd House District. Uh, and uh, he's going to say his name because I clearly can't. Lamine <laughs> <laughs> Swan. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell us what, like, so you won the primary? No, you did not have a. You're, is a there was not a competition in the primary, right? Uh, so you're. It's all about the 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 general. Uh, what does the landscape look like? Tell us a little bit about the ninety third district. You know why are you running for it? Um, and what's the out? Uh, yeah, how's it coming? Cool, cool. Thank you for having me. First, uh, this evening, uh, the ninety third district is uh, actually um, a outcome of the twenty twenty two redistricting. Um, my district wasn't damaged as much as other districts, um, but I am on the southern end of Lexington. Um, if you're familiar with Man of War, I go from the mall area and weave in and out of Man of War out to Alumni Drive. Um, so, southern end of Lexington. Um, one of the few districts that that is still fully in fully contained in Fed County. Um, my my uh, uh, my future colleague uh, that's me, uh, Sherilyn Stevenson was dragged all the way up to Scott County. So she basically has a brand new district, same district number, but a brand new district where I took a good chunk of hers uh, inside of Fed County. Um, it looks great. I've been told uh, from um, the p politicals, um, that I'm, uh, around a plus 11, plus 15. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is great. And I've been told by the same ones that I'm the most likely Democrat to pick up statewide. So it's looking great. Um, the, the big, the big foot on, uh, on the campaign is turnout, uh, the projected numbers are basically at a dead heat, 50-50. So that is the key turnout. So we're already canvassing the summer, knocking on doors, talking to neighbors, uh, folks. Uh, a lot of people didn't, don't even know that uh, they've been redistributed. So um, so, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm excited. Um, it looks great. I'm ready to win, go up to awesome. Frankfurt and, you know, awesome. fight. Uh, so great news. It's a plus 
you know, over 10 uh, district and, you know, love to see uh, more uh, Democrats in Frankfurt uh, for sure. Um, you know, especially if Democrats that agree, you know, agree that, you know, we got some work to do here in Kentucky. Uh, I, 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 I'd be interested to hear really quickly. And I know we, we don't have a lot of time, but like, what's your, you know, what's your bio? Like, why are you the guy for this seat? What are you going to bring to it? Um, I am an activist and organizer. Um, I've worked on the back end of campaigns for almost the last 20 years. Uh, my last cycle out in the field was 2016, uh, started in New York City, uh, went out to Colorado, Florida, and ended up back in uh, New York and Hillary's uh, Brooklyn Phil office and, uh, about the last month, and we know what the results were in 2016. Um, I decided to – I was hitting close to 40, um, working in Phil, and I was like, time to retire out of there. Um, so I, I planned just to – you know, organize, uh, do the back-end fundraise for others, and just saw nobody was really popping up to run for the ninth third. And I, was, and I was like, we can't leave this seat open. So decided almost at the very last minute to run. Um, definitely need a voice in Frankfurt. Uh, 93rd deserves a voice in Frankfurt. It's a very working-class working class district, so uh, definitely want to take that stand for them. Awesome. Uh, so this is, of course, our uh, our writing writer themed show. So I think I picked up from your bio that you also were what is it a uh, ink stained wretch uh, at some point, right? So you were uh, a, a, on the Kentucky Colonel uh, staff. Yes, is that when yes, you were like yes. In college, uh, it's been actually twenty years already. Uh, I started as a staff writer, worked my way up to. Uh, summer news editor. So, and actually, I got to cover the 2000, um, 2000 presidential campaign. So, I got to go uh, cover the vice presidential debate at center and the whole debacle, at, you know, the Bush versus Gore. So, yeah, yeah. It's good it to have a little historical perspective on politics yeah. for sure. Well, well hey, thanks for your work and thanks for throwing your hat in the ring. You know, oh, I no, think no. the whole idea of like running for something, man, people got to run for something if you want to see uh, see things get better. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, how can people help out? Uh, they can get in contact with me at lamineswan.com. That's L-A-M-I-N-S-W-A-N-N.com. And they can sign up to volunteer. Uh, we're looking for volunteers all the way up until November. Uh, we're knocking doors actually this weekend. Uh, the phone banking. So there's a lot of opportunities in the campaign. Uh, if you want to spend an hour a week or want to spend a few hours a week, um, we're here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll share out that website. Make sure people know how to get a hold of you. And appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. And good Thanks luck on the so campaign much. trail. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, all right. So really quick hit to the campaign corner. Always want to spend more time with these really interesting folks who are, you know, committing to help make Kentucky better. But we got to move on uh, to our, uh, you know, our marquee interview. And when I'm, I'm really, really excited about uh, Terry Carter. Uh, Terry Carter writes about family, rural life, and politics for publications like the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Lexington Herald Leader, and the Daily Yonder. Uh, in many ways, Terry's been on the front lines of some of those controversial issues in the country. She's published over 100 columns in the last few years about everything from national to local government, teachers' rights, gun violence, immigration, abortion, COVID-19, what's taught in schools, women's rights, the dangers of toxic masculinity, why international pockets of kindness still matter. That's intentional pockets of kindness. I can't read today, apparently. Uh, and she even ran for county magistrate in 2022 as a Republican. Uh, not hiding her progressive values. So I can't wait to discuss that with Terry and with this crew. Terry's got a BA in English from the University of Minnesota, an MFA in nonfiction writing from San Jose State University, and is working right now on her first book. Welcome, Terry. All right, so I think you're muted. Got to unmute. Hey, guys. Awesome. Yeah, thank Hi. you so much for joining us. And I just want to say, like, we... Uh, we saw, I saw, you know, amazing article that the Washington Post picked up or a column from you, uh, yeah. uh how Kentucky is awash in guns. Uh, yeah. and it was really a wonderful, I think, take on a, a very clearly hot button issue. 
uh, and you know, really did lead me to go, you know, I've been seeing her name in, in a local paper uh, frequently. She's get, always brings a really interesting perspective uh, and uh, super intrigued by what you learned when you ran uh, for magistrate. Uh, and so, yeah, like, welcome to the show. Uh, we just really can't wait to just hear hear you share a little bit about, you know, your perspective from there. In, is it Anderson County? Is that where you are? Yep, Anderson County, right down the street from the Capitol. Uh, awesome, awesome. So let's start with that race. What in the what in the world were you thinking? <laughs> what in the world was I thinking? So, um, back in the summer of last year, I started talking to Democrats to try to get them to run for local offices because all of our offices were up for grabs. You know, the, the county judge, executive, the magistrates, um, all of them. So, county clerk, everything. So. I started asking Democrats. Nobody wanted to run. Um, so then I started checking with, um, you know, the regular, what I call the normal Republicans, you know, not the crazy conspiracy theorists, right wing nut Republicans. I started checking with regular Republicans. Nobody wanted to touch it. And as I talked to people, they kept saying, well, why don't you run? You know, and I'm like, well, I can't run. I'm a columnist. You know, I write about politics. I can't write about something or I can't run for something. I'm, if I'm writing about it if I'm on the inside. And the more I said that over and over, the more I started to think, well, why not? Why can't even if I won, why couldn't I still write about politics only from the inside? Um, what would it be like to be a county magistrate and write about what it's like to be a county magistrate um, from inside the court? So um, literally at the last minute in January, I decided to run and I had already uh, changed my registration to Republican, strangely, as I'm a progressive and a very public progressive, um, because I saw my county sliding hard right and the only thing I could think of was a bunch of us need to register as Republicans and vote for some of the normal Republicans because I knew there were no Democrats that were going to run. So if we were going to keep everything from sliding to these hard, hard right conspiracy theorists, gun toting, crazy people, um, we needed to get some kind of normal people into office. So I changed my registration. And then if I was going to run, I had no choice because once you change your registration, you can't change it back. Um, so I changed, so I just filed as a Republican and here I am. It was fun. <laughs> I had a great time. Awesome. Uh, well, you know, like I was just saying, you know, if we want to make things better. We got to run for office, right? We can't just wait for somebody to come in and save us. We got to save ourselves. Uh, uh, and I think you took a really kind of interesting approach. What did it, what did you learn from being out there and talking to folks about, uh, about issues? Yeah. So it was fascinating. I mean, I loved it. I loved every day that I ran for office and I, um, I didn't know that I would, you know, it, everything was um, new to me. I had no idea how to file the papers. I didn't know how campaign finance worked. It was all brand new to me. Um, plus, I was not talking to people who agreed with me. I mean, every day, all day long, I talked to Republicans who did not agree with me on abortion, who did not agree with me on guns, who did not agree with me on the governor. Um, and it was really interesting to have a reason for them to have to talk to me. And I had some great conversations. I did not do well um, vote wise. And I was shocked because I was sure a couple hundred people were going to vote for me. Um, and I say a couple hundred because only the guy that won, uh, won with about 300 votes. Uh, in my county, um, we're split into six districts for the magistrates. And my district is the most rural um, covers the most ground, but the most rural. And um, these people kind of said they would vote for me and I thought they would. And in the end, you know, they went in that booth and they couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 That's disappointing. Even, you know, even folks you were talking to kind of uh, obviously you talked to enough people uh, and with a low vote uh, total, you could get a sense that, oh yeah, there are people clearly who said they would that didn't. Uh, and uh, it was, so it was a primary kind of situation where you were running against another Republican. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and the word got out. Don't trust that Terry Carter. She's not a real Republican. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing. I never claim to be a Republican. You know, some people change their party and they say, oh, well, now I've changed my views. Oh, no, I never said that. Every single person I talked to, the first thing I said was, now, you know, I'm a Democrat <laughs> and I'm a progressive de Democrat. So let's just start there. Um and I was really, you know, honestly, I was surprised at how many people were open to having the conversations. 
Um, one thing that happened during the race that I didn't plan on because I continued to write about politics while I was running. And um, we have a county attorney who was running um, as, you know, in the Republican race. Um, and he, I consider kind of on the more hard right, you know, side of things. And I followed his race and I wrote about him. I used my campaign money to run ads about him in our local paper because our newspaper editor was not interviewing him, was not asking him hard questions. So I used my space to ask those questions. Um, so it was just, it was just an interesting way to go about running. I don't know, you know, was it the right thing to do, wrong thing to do? I don't know, but you know, I gave it a shot. Yeah. Well, you know, you, 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 you bought a ticket, you took the ride, uh, and you, you now have a perspective that many folks just don't have, uh, what that was like. So what happened with the, that County attorney, was it, I'm sorry, County attorney where you, yeah, he, he won with 73% of the vote or something. It, it wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, and he, and no joke, he ran on guns and a little bit of pro-life, I guess, but he basically ran on guns, second amendment, sanctuary guns and more guns, which why does he need a? Why in Kentucky would you need a Second Amendment sanctuary? Kentucky is aren't we in a, a Second sanctuary? Amendment sanctuary by and large. I know. Hello, it's a sanctuary. Yeah. Um, well, we passed in uh, January 2020, right before the pandemic. We passed a Second Amendment sanctuary resolution here, and I went to fiscal court and I argued against it. It passed anyway. The only thing they did not do is they did not put the word sanctuary in the resolution. And that, I think, has stuck in his craw and it's stuck in the newspaper editor's craw who also wanted that to pass. And um, the county attorney, you know, he ran on the fact that, you know, I will get that that document rewritten with the word sanctuary in it. Like he posted it on his campaign website as like that's the thing he was here to do. And I and so I'm writing to the paper and I'm saying, hey, has nothing to do with his job. So what is this about? Um, so, you know, which brings me kind of to the general point, and that is um, if you have a county that really goes heavily Republican, and maybe it was like this when it was dem heavily Democrat, too. I don't know. I didn't live here then. Um, but it's really hard to get people to ask those candidates who are so entrenched that are going to win with 75, 80 percent of the vote to ask them hard questions. Because in a small town, everybody's got to get along. Nobody wants to make anybody mad. Um, I am not that person. I am more than happy to challenge someone um, and then bring them dinner later. So uh, it's just interesting living in a small place, you know, not being in Louisville or Lexington. Yeah, things, things work a little different around here, I'd say. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, excellent. Well, I feel like uh, Nate might have a question for you because he's got a perspective that I think is uh, is is not necessarily similar, but there might be some uh, some ability to see where you're coming from. Nate, what do you got? <laughs> a little bit. Thanks, Aaron. No, I, you know, so I, I recently revisited your uh, Washington Post essay from last summer. Um, uh, what's it like to visit my unvaccinated relatives in Rush, Rush Limbaugh's hometown? Uh, and I was really moved by by the contrast between the, the sacrifices that you and your husband undertook to get through the COVID, COVID pandemic. Um, in uh, with on the other hand, with what seemed to on its face to be sort of patently selfish uh, behavior and unsacrificing behavior on the part of relatives and and I suppose the larger population of right wing folks that they represent uh, and that made me wonder. So for all the talk of of conservatives' uh, love of military service and and would be sacrifice for our country, I'm wondering if there isn't actually some sort of a sacrifice gap between the left and the right, where so many folks on the right are willing to, to willfully avoid sacrificing for the common good in the name of so-called liberty. So that that popped up. And, and is that a real thing? What do you think? Um, well, so my dad got vaccinated, but nobody else did. I mean, um, and I did not expect the rest of my family to show up at dinner in Rush Limbaugh's hometown and all of them to show up at the dinner table and say, oh, we're not vaccinated. And I thought, well, why the heck am I here having dinner with you? You know, I haven't seen you people in a year. Um, so I don't know if it's about sacrifice or if it's about, you know, when, like they'll say things like, well, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. And I'm like, hey, I'm the queen of I don't want nobody telling me what to do either. 
Um, but there are things that you need to do um, for your neighbors, for your family members to keep your community safe. And I just do not understand that. You know, I do not get I do not get this whole thing of like, oh, we support the police, but we're not going to do anything anybody tells us to do. Like to me, all these things are completely antithetical to each other. And I don't know why we continue to let these people make these statements. I'm like, well, if you support the government and you support police and you support Donald Trump, well, then why don't you support Andy Bashir and what he's telling you to do, you know, to keep your neighbor, neighbors safe in the pandemic? Um, it made no sense to me. Um, and I think a lot of it was just, you know, the, the thumbing of our of the nose. Um, and maybe that was brought on by Trump where it was, you know, anything to own the libs, you know, you got to own the libs. Um, and, you know, a lot of them died. I mean, there was a woman here who, you know, last summer I used to go to all the school board meetings, all fiscal court meetings, et cetera. And she came to all the school board meetings and she was an anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, big right winger, you know, conspiracy theorist. She came to every school board meeting and argued against masks and about CRT and all that nonsense. And then I would argue on the other side against her. And, you know, come the October meeting, she wasn't there anymore because she was dead. So, and guess what? Nobody talked about it because it was like the unspeakable, like we can't talk about the fact that this woman no longer exists. It was like she vanished off the face of the earth. Um, it's just a really sad circumstance, almost like, you know, she was sacrificed and, you know, I didn't agree with her on anything, but she was a nice person. I saw her in the restroom at the school board all the time and said hello to her as we were washing our hands, you know, every month. Um, and the fact that she just kind of disappeared and everyone just kind of went, eh, you know, was really troubling to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually Silas House, who, you know, we've had on the show and, you know, amazing, uh, amazing uh, just voice, I think. Uh, he, he mentioned or had a great essay in the Atlantic talking about the erosion of the common good, right? That yeah. idea that we, we just don't ascribe necessarily to this idea that there's a common good that we can all commit to and support by just making these kind of small sacrifices, you know, whether it's bringing the casserole to a friend, which a lot of these right wingers will do. Right. But, you know, they don't see that the government is actually kind of how we take care of one another. Right. It's right. like, oh, we got to be anti-government because that's I don't know. I don't know what. Like it's liberal. The government's not liberal. Right. The government's just the thing that we create to help provide the services because we can't really do it all ourselves. But I guess, you know, maybe Republicans think what you really want to do need to do is like go fund me to take care of every you know, uh, family <laughs> emergency. And, you know, the. The, the the dinner train will take care of everyone's needs. But, you know, like the reality of it is like how you take care of each other in a, in a pandemic is wearing a mask, you know, and how you take care of each other when your democracy is under assault is by telling the truth and not spreading, you know, ridiculous garbage that's not founded in anything. I think it's as we watch what's happening in D.C. with these, you know, these uh, the hearings on January 16th, uh, January 6th, rather, like it's just so infuriating that everyone knew it was a lie. They all knew it was a lie, but they didn't care because they just wanted to make sure their guy desperately hung on to power. Right. So that idea that, you know, telling the truth is actually courageous uh, when there's an entire kind of value system that's related to like, you know, lying about uh, what's actually happening so they can get what they want. Like, I don't know. Uh, I didn't really ever think that honesty would be, you know, something that is in short supply in our just general uh, public. But here we are. So I don't know. Uh, I know you've, you've paid a lot of attention to kind of what's going on uh, in, you know, kind of in D.C. and how it's being reflected in our local communities. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've seen a, a column on January 6th necessarily. But what's your take on that situation as we're watching it unfold in kind of this historic uh, moment? Well, of course, like all of you, I'm just glued to it every time it's on. Like, I want to hear everything they say. And then when they finish, you know, I think, you know, this is great that, you know, Pat Cipollone has come forward. But where the heck has he been for the last year and a half? And when he, you know, I didn't think about it until after his interview yesterday. But when it was over, I thought, you know, he really didn't say anything bad about Trump. Everything was about how these people came to the office. They were giving him bad advice, et cetera. But but nothing about Trump personally. So I'm thinking, are you still supportive of him? Um, and you'll recall that the previous one of the previous hearings when um, Rusty Bowers, the Arizona State House uh, Speaker spoke, you know, Trump basically kind of destroyed his personal life. And then he came on an interview the next day and said, oh, yeah, he'd vote for him again if he was the candidate. Like, I, I don't get this. I don't get these people. 
Um, And one thing that I notice, I have to say, in, you know, in my small town, certainly, and I think that this is indicative of most small communities, you know, that kind of the outside of Louisville and Lexington, we don't talk enough about how churches and the pastors of the churches control what, how the politics work. And, um, you know, we've got, you know, in my, I live in a small county. We've got 23,000 people. We've got a few big churches. Um, we got a few little ones, but, you know, you have to, a couple, three big churches. And, you know, during the pandemic, I started watching their services because, of course, they all went online, right? So I started watching some of them. And you wouldn't believe the things they say. I mean, I just watched one for on January, just, just a week or so ago, what, on January 3rd. And the pastor spent his entire service talking about civil war. We're in a civil war for our rights. Um, It's a civil war. He said the words, it's a civil war, just like when Abraham Lincoln had a civil war. You know, that was his catchphrase for an hour. And he talked about, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and how these you citizens, you need to be out there fighting for your rights. I mean, that was a church sermon. And I'm just fascinated that, he gets by with that, first of all. Um, but the people sitting in that audience, I mean, they're not only listening to Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and all that. They are listening to their pastor on Sundays say, you know, don't wear a mask. You know, we're going to have church without a mask or we're going to continue to have church anyway. And, you know, Andy Bashir had people here writing down our license plate numbers. Um, I just think it's awful. And but I think a lot of these pastors really do control how people vote. And I, I can say, I mean, you know, when I was running, one of the things I learned, and, and this is probably obvious to all of you because you're, you know, veterans, um, but how much having a church community and a really big one um, gets you elected in a small town. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a really important point. And I have not like, watched a lot of uh you know i mean i i'm a christian i i do occasionally uh, go to church uh not as often as i'm sure uh my rector would prefer but you know i uh I, you know they dance they very rarely talk about politics you cannot you know and i know it's a very divided congregation there's you know but they are never talking about it uh but i you know i've not gone to any of these evangelical mega churches to hear what hear what they're saying but that's really interesting that you know that you've you've seen that cuz i kind of my my sen- a sense was that it was maybe there a little bit as an undercurrent but they they weren't going to like really put it on full display but what you're telling me is a little bit you know it's disturbing. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Absolutely. the same church a couple of weeks before the Civil War sermon, um, it was all about Disney. And he actually said the words, Disney's coming for your children, you know, uh, and the people applauded. You know, like we're going to fight Disney, you know, clap, clap, clap. And I'm thinking, what what in the world is this? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hey, I go to church on Sundays, too, but I don't go to church to listen. I, you know, I write about politics. This is what I do all day long, every day. But I don't want to hear politics at church. And I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, everyone remember what Jesus said about Disney and civil and civil <laughs> war uh, and abortion and gay oh, people. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, like, it's amazing uh, that how did the Christians get so far away from what the guy said, the red letters, right? I, uh, you know, I just feel like they, they, they've lost their way in some of those places, but you know, it's part of a cultural thing. Uh, it's not just about, you know, the Jesus. Anyway, I uh, really glad to have you on us. I don't, I, Kimberly, we lost Kimberly's video. Maybe, maybe she had to step away. Oh, there she is. All right. Cause I don't definitely know that she, uh, you know, always has something to say and add, and I'd love to hear what she has to, to ask you before we, we wrap up. And you are muted, Kimberly, because that's that's how we roll here. I said I had several things to ask Miss Terry Carter, but maybe I can talk with you personally at a later date because we're running on time. Uh, the men took up all of the space. Okay, okay. you sure. see how they do me on here? They just kept talking, 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 and they just forgot Kimberly was here. You see, it's a man's world. You know, it's a man's world. But I'm going to tell you something, Miss Terry. I'm going to tell you something. You remind. I went to the Rosa Parks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take my two, three, five, six, ten minutes with Miss Terry Clark because she is phenomenal. Men taking up all the space. Can we just talk, us ladies, right now for a moment? 
I know our producer, Miss Annabelle, you know, she's like always, you know, I love her. She's producing the show tonight. But, you know, I went to the Rosa Parks uh, Museum and uh, I bought a lot of stuff, a T-shirt, um, a keychain. And, you know, you reminded me of this slogan that was on everything at the Rosa Parks Museum. And you know what that said, Miss Terry Carter? I do not. It said, gutsy women get things done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. You reminded me of that. And I, and I just oh, wanted to make sure to tell you. Oh, what a lovely thing you, to say. I just, yeah, you, it just, it popped in my mind like that. You know, uh, I've read about you. Um, I've been a fan, you know, of uh, some of your op-eds, things like that. I'm always interested in what women gutsy women are doing around our country yes the yes. women run the world right like beyonce said that's right uh, also um something that i brought up uh many many years before trump was ever president before we knew that our country was really falling apart at that point mm -hmm. uh, i went out to monterey california my daughter graduated from the uh, national intelligence excuse me the national language Institute out in Monterey. You know what I'm talking about. I do. I just I used to live north of there. So yeah. Okay. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. Uh, I know that uh, we went, you know, shopping on the pier and everything. It was just so beautiful and the weather was so nice. But I remember I took the I took a picture of this woman. She had this sock, this little bumper sticker, and I ended up buying it from her and had it on my car for many, many years. And we're talking maybe 2008, 2009. And it was a quote from George Orwell. And it said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Oh, and yeah. here we are, Mr. Yeah. 1984, George Orwell, right? Yeah. He says it again. Yeah. So I just wanted to say to you, that I really appreciate what you're doing. And yes, I know somebody said, is there a question in here? <laughs> it doesn't have to be a question because I'm talking to Miss Terry Carter. I don't know anybody, anybody else. Mm, no comments from the gallery. I admire you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'd like to have a conversation with you at one time. I think you are a gutsy woman getting things done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and I have to say, um, I've been writing about Kentucky politics for and national politics too for six years now. So not, not very long, but I, you know, like I said, I've got a, over a hundred pieces out about it. And I still remember the first time I wrote about abortion in Kentucky and my son, who is an adult called me up immediately when he saw it and he said, Oh my God, you don't know where you are. You can't write about abortion in Kentucky. Like you can write about Mitch and you can write about Trump, but he's like, Oh my God, please don't write about abortion. Like people are going to come after you. But you know what I've learned in the last six years? The worst mail that I get is not when I write about abortion. It's when I write about immigration and race. And it's when I write about guns. Those two subjects send people off the rail. And so it ain't abortion. This, you know, we can talk about abortion all day long. And I think that that is a red herring. It's something they throw out there for the base. But I... What really gets people going, if I look at my email box after a column comes out, it's immigration and race and guns. So. Yeah. So I'm going to keep writing about those things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> keep on being that gutsy woman. Well, thank, thank you. I appreciate that. And you won't remember this, Kimberly, but I met you briefly at the Capitol. You were speaking at an event in the Rotunda with Mark. Um, Murphy. Yes. Oh, um, wow. oh my God. We know each other. <laughs> See, we're twinning over here. See, we're oh, twinning. Aaron and Nate, I don't want you all to be jealous. I promise. Too you late. <laughs> well, I just, I did want to say thank you so much for coming, for sharing your views. I for getting that abortion comment in there. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the statewide initiative. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the Republicans put that on the ballot, you know, intentionally to have something to drive turnout because uh, they knew the churches will, will absolutely uh, get behind it. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I think that we can have a rational conversation about abortion, especially if you're talking about things like rape, incest, life of the mother. Uh, and you know, it's not in all cases, but yeah, I think that, you know, medication abortion, 
you know, the, the fact that that exists right now, a lot of people are not in that conversation. They don't know how absolutely, you know, safe it can be. Uh, and yeah, it is to me, I think, yeah, we got to have the conversation. Uh, we've had it on the show. We'll have it again. Uh, but yeah, that's an important issue. And thank you for clarifying that really may, maybe, maybe Kentucky just really is racist and we really like our guns. And that's really what fires up a lot of the other side. But, uh, You're just figuring that out, Mr. Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I listen to you, Kimberly. I do. And I know you've said it on the show. This is not the first time that idea has, uh, has been uh, been shared. But yes, uh, for sure. Thanks again, uh, Terry. We're going to throw it to Kimberly to, to close us out uh, because we have gone just a little bit over our hour. Uh, but, you know, how could we not? We've got these amazing folks lined up. And when uh, Kimberly's got some things to say. Yes, yes, yes. Want to talk about the call to action and the events calendar. Uh, first of all, uh, take our poll. Okay. We've got over 225 responses and we'd like to hit 500. And I know we can do this. Can you just take five minutes or less right now to help us pick the worst actions of the most horrible, terrible, no good, down low trifling Yes, very bad people in the legislator, legislature. I know you all can help us. So once we hit 500 responses, guess what? We'll share with the media and help voters uh, remind them what the GOP supermajority is doing to our Commonwealth. Also, our great organization, Progress Kentucky, we need you. Yes, you're gonna hear us say it every week. We need you. There is no I in team, okay? Uh, join our team. We're in need right now of a newsletter editor, some social media managers, folks who can call phone bank, uh, text potential voters to engage folks in the fight for a more progressive Commonwealth. So join us, shoot us an email if you would like to get more involved. And if you would like to say anything about us, it will go to Aaron and Mr. Dougie Fresh. Doug Price. Uh, you can email us at info at progressky.org. Once again, that's info at progressky.org. Now, we will be back next week. Yes, we're not going to be taking a hiatus or anything like that. And we'll be keeping you updated on Kentucky politics and news that you can use. That's what we like to do here. And we hope that you will always be a weekly viewer and supporter of what we're trying to do here. So we really want you to join us. Also, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, our guest tonight, Mr. Laman, Lamin Laman Swan. You guys know who I'm talking about. He's got that really nice name that I can't pronounce quite well. But you know what? We want him to win. We want him to be there and do the daggone thing. More Democrats, more progress in Kentucky. So also like to give a big shout out to Miss Terry Carter. I can't believe she remembered me. I feel like, oh my God, like a celebrity. They remember me. She is so nice. She's a gutsy woman. And I'm challenging all of you out there to be just as gutsy. Gutsy women get things done. Now, let me do the disclaimer, as I always have to do. And that's Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State. Yes, we are organizers of 501c4, affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, otherwise known, you all may know, as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Production this evening is by my collegiate, beautiful young sister in this political fight for our lives, and that's Miss Annabelle Nagel. I love that girl. Uh, she did a great job tonight as usual. No disrespect towards Nate or, you know, Aaron, but, you know, Annabelle's my girl. So we just want to give a big shout out to her and thank you so much. Nate, you know we love you. Uh, we still got to do a song together, right, about Mitch McConnell. But the song that we're always jamming to when we come on and when we leave, 
Yes, that was written originally by our very, very own Nate Orshan. So, so, so very, very talented. So you can learn more about his songs, hear more songs at natosongs.com. That's N-A-T-O songs.com. So if you missed our weekly live stream and you're seeing us a little bit later, hi, how you doing? Hey, always know that you can go back and share with your friends, like, you know, share, 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 you know, the algorithms, make sure you send it out to your friends and families of like-minded individuals to turn this state purple. Okay. And also you can hear us. If you don't want to see you know, our beautiful, handsome selves, you can always go on the most popular podcast stations such as Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else that you get your podcast and you can most definitely hear us. And a great thank you to Couch Fire Media for some of the graphics. You can look more at what they do at couchfiremedia.com. And you know what I'm going to say? Do something nice for somebody this week. This is Wednesday. It's hump day. You made it. You woke up in your right mind. Do something nice for someone else. Pay it forward or pay it backwards. You know, like when you're in that McDonald's line, like how much can somebody get from it? Hold it. Maybe in the White Castle line, hold it. I don't know. If you see them just have chewing gum at the grocery store, maybe you can go hand on and pay that backwards, right? Do something nice for someone today. It'll make you feel better and it will make someone else's day. Same channel, same time. See you next week. Have a good one. Thank <laughs> you.